بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد To be honest I didn't really intend to say anything because Malna Yunusab has basically given the entire biography and the main points and then all of these other reflections and I thought I'd said what I wanted to say a few weeks ago um, but just some things came to mind because something has to carry on now Hazrat's legacy has to carry on and Mashallah Mawlana Yunus and others have already given certain suggestions of what we need to do for that. Uh, what makes Hazrat a successful personality? Why is it that when I was studying there and I entered Darlum, it looks like in the same year as you, mm. 1985 when Mawlana Salim Dorata was in Dora. And that is when I was 11, half 12 years old and I finished when I was 22. So I'd essentially spent half of my life there, at the age of 22. Um, in the entire 10, 11 years that I was there, I never heard a single person criticizing Hazrat. Never a bad word to say. And I'm sure you... Now, this is not to demote anybody else, but I used to speak to students of other madrasas, and they had all sorts of criticisms about various teachers. But in Darlum, I, the general atmosphere was not to criticize anyway. That has to be created. That doesn't come about because it's in a human nature generally to criticize. There's a negativity aspect. And the success of a, a mentor, essentially what Hazrat was is not just the teacher, but he's a mentor. And the success of a successful mentor is that he creates that harmony and that environment of comfort and ease and love. If love is not there, then it doesn't work. This is what the Prophet ﷺ had, which allowed the Sahaba to stay with him. As Allah says, وَلَوْ كُنْتَ غَلِيذَ الْقَلْبِ لَنْفَضُّوا مِنْ حَوْلِكَ And this is exactly Hazrat. He did get angry but very seldomly he had so much tolerance i remember i was eventually fortunate enough to get a room in the very coveted hazrat's old house which was the place he used to live in before they got a house outside which was the place where he and his family lived in it was a series of like four or five small rooms with a toilet so it was like this separate area where less supervision and and the room that I got was Maulana Zakaria uh, Patel, Damat Barakatuhum. He was a very close, uh, uh, he was a very, very close to Hazrat. He was in the fourth year or fifth year, or, or maybe fifth year or sixth year actually. And his, whoever his partner was before him had left. So Hazrat chose me to go in there. And the point of that room was two things. Number one, it has all of his books. It had his library from that time. He had not moved it anywhere else. So it had the library there. And number two, he had the phone there. In those times, you didn't have mobile phones or anything like that. So the office phone, the 6106 number, the office number would be transferred to here after office hours. So the beauty of that room was that you didn't have to go to mutala. You didn't have to go to revision or anything like that. After your class, you could just sit there because you had to look after the phone. It was your responsibility. Because if a call came in and nobody was there to pick it up, you'd get in trouble. Now, it was impossible for both of us to always be there. 
and there were sometimes when an important call would come we wouldn't be there because we'd be out somewhere doing maybe something else and I think it was my primary responsibility because Mala Zakaria was in Bukhari or something and he had to be studying so it was my primary responsibility so and then Hazrat would find out because they would tell him we called and nobody picked up the phone so sometimes you would get angry and you'd, you'd want to go and ask for mafi the concept of asking for mafi that was like go and seek forgiveness so you'd see that he was angry and say why didn't you pick it up where were you and you don't want to lose the room either and then after a few hours the next day you would go and you see him and you think I'll ask him for forgiveness but before you could even do that you'd say how are you or Kemche or whatever and give you a smile and you know it's all done you don't even have to say anything afterwards that was his demeanor I had this thing for Nasheeds at that time and that room overlooked that main fountain before you get into the, the shuraks. Hazrat had to go past there every day when he came for Salat. And I used to blast the Nasheeds. Right, as though, I don't know, you know, there, there was a certain type of Nasheed in those days that were in vogue. So we used to blast the Nasheeds and somebody said, Hazrat's downstairs. Right, but Alhamdulillah, he never complained. I, I never used to do it all the time. The amount of insight, prudence, it was just amazing. The control, the self-control is what really distinguishes him. He would sit there teaching. I, I, I don't know if you remember, he would hardly move. He just sat. He, he's, he's, he wouldn't wave his hands too much or he's, he's totally unlike. You know, he just composure. Even the words he speaks is like he's weighing his words as he says them. Because he spoke very little to start with. So what he did speak, you know he's choosing his words so that I'm assuming that they're good enough to be written, grammatically correct the right term to use. I remember uh, we were in Mishkat, which means the penultimate year, and we finished the Mishkat. And the next year we were going to go into Dawratul Hadith to study, and Maulana Islam al-Haqsab is a Shaykh al-Hadith. So he's going to teach us Sahih al-Bukhari. So we're looking forward to that. So I remember that year myself, I went to... Uh, a place in Indiana, uh, South Bend, Indiana for Tarawih. And after we finished 27th, then two of my classmates, Mawlana Ina'amuddin, Mawlana Abdul Subhan, uh, they were in Detroit, just a few hours away. So I decided, let's go there. Let me go and visit them, let's vis visit Detroit. So uh, after the 27th, the 20th, with a friend I went there. As we got there, that's when the news came of Mawlana Islam al-Haqsab's demise. So we were like, oh no, this is, we're going to miss him. Alhamdulillah, Allah gave us a ni'mal badal, which means a, a beautiful replacement. So, Hazrat started teaching. So, we were very lucky that we got, we were the first group that he taught the entire Sahih al-Bukhari to. You know, very calm, there's so much barakah in his lessons that he never had to teach outside of time. He only taught within the class allotted hours. And we completed the whole thing with detail, with sharh, with commentary. So we were very lucky, we got the whole thing with commentary, but not just riwayatan, but with the diraya as well. That was actually the same year when he had got married, so his uh, wife had been with our, uh, the younger Kala had been with, uh, in our, uh, basically joined us in class. So that was an additional bonus for us. But the main thing is that he then had piles. He was suffering from piles, so he had a surgery. So then he would come to class and he couldn't move much. But you know what the amazing thing is that it was obviously very painful because he couldn't even go to the Jamal Khan of Namaz. He had to sit downstairs during the itikaf. I never saw him grimace or wince even once. Like this was something I noted from that time. Like he's in, must be in, he's just had a pain. You know, you can't 
when you sit, you can hardly sit, never once did he spoil his face. There was just certain things about him like that. Just his demeanor, the control and the love that he engendered to keep the, that environment. Why do these ulama that they feel such a strong vibe, a strong sense of comfort when they go to Darulum? Why did you feel like that? Why did you miss it so much? Because of this environment. Though it was in a poor state at that time. It was only towards the late years when a lot of the renovation and now, mashallah, the food and everything is, uh, you know, mashallah, many stars. You know, in those days, subhanallah, you know, it was a whole different story. His, um, I told him I'm getting married. So he gives me a, just remember, I don't think I kept these things, but he gave me a lungi and a vest. I was like, why do you give me a lungi and a vest for? Then I realized that this is the tradition. Like, you know when somebody at the Sheikh gives a lungi and a vest. Um, once, you know, you know what it is? In the last 10 years, Hazrat became much more retired from his main teaching. He just about used to go just to let the Bukhari be read, hardly saying much. And he retired from a lot of public engagements. I mean, even from before, he would hardly go. His whole focus was this. He's so, the amazing thing about him is that he's such... An individual who's so firm in the way he wants to do something, but there's no fame about it. He's not out there in the limelight. He doesn't accept speaking engagements. So for many years, even in the beginning, he would hardly ever go out to give a talk. Though he's, he is known to be one of the greatest of our scholars and awliya in the country. You know, I mean, one of the greatest. But he would hardly ever go out. People would love him to have gone out, but he would hardly. It's only recently that he started doing, in the last 15 years or so, that he started actually. But then though he started going out a bit more here and there, he became a lot more private person. So even those people who were very close to him and be in contact with him every week, even they're telling me in the last several years that it's become more different. Because he had a new family, young children, the family that the children you know, that he had wanted all of his life. And he finally Allah gave him, so he had to focus on them. And we had to forgive him for that because we always felt that we don't get the time, right? Because it was difficult. Some people, mashallah, they still were able to uh, have that kind of access, right? Uh, but it was difficult uh, for, for many people to get that. Uh, people would come from abroad and if they even got a salam at that balcony, that would be ghanima. And he had to be withheld because... There were so many people that would want to see him and occupy his time. And the thing is that a lot of this, you know, for him, um, I don't want to have to say what's already been said, but for you to be able to see in your own lifetime, your grand students and your great grand students providing a service. And then now he's passed away. And now we can say that he's passed away, rahimahullah, we can say that he went without fitna, right? Because until somebody dies, although we had absolutely no doubt about this, but this is just within our Islamic tradition that until somebody dies, no, until somebody dies nobody's protected. It's only when they die that in the sealing state, the sealing state what matters. We ask Allah to preserve all of us, Amen. right? And his sealing state, he gets... 4,000, I'm saying only 4,000 people in his janazah in Canada. 
we say only 4,000. And I think that's just, again, Allah's gift to him. He was a private person. He didn't like huge congregations. He would give a bayan whenever he would come, even to Kidder Minister, which is his own program. It's his own conference. He would come there, he would give a bayan and walk out straight away. You'd have to rush to get a handshake if you're lucky or even a glimpse. Right? He wouldn't stick around. He wouldn't. He just, that's what, that's not his personality. But that shows you that even an introverted person like that can do so much. Why? The power of Allah. The power of the love of a righteous person in the tradition of the Prophet You know, no bayan would you sit and listen to his or any book in which it would be devoid of a mention of the Prophet or a mention of Hazrat Shaykh Zakaria Rahmatullahi. It's almost like he was left behind with them, that he, he is still there. And he's just waiting to go, but he's got a responsibility to do. I don't know if you've ever listened to a bayan of his way, he does not mention Hazrat Shaykh Rahmatullahi or Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The love you can just tell because you talk about who you love. And obviously his shaykh was his key and his path and his chain to the Prophet both from a spiritual perspective and an academic perspective, his ilm perspective. And what he got from Hazrat Shaykh probably, I would assume that it's his father, you know, uh, uh, he, his father was uh, into his dhikr, like engrossed in his dhikr. So that's a part of his biography, which we don't have to get into right now. But his love for Hazrat Sheikh was just absolutely amazing. And I think it's only because of that, that he's able to do what he, he does, because he's got that power behind. And then the dhikr majlis that he had started, you know, to have the constant adhkar. Um, just now in Medina Munawwara, uh, we were with the other Khalifa of Hazrat Sheikh, uh, Azizur Rahman Sahib, the one you mentioned earlier, right? And he said one thing which is really interesting, and now it makes a lot of sense. He said, we do, we insist on dhikr majlis in our, uh, in, in his institute. And he says, the barakah that comes with that is amazing, right? Now, he's making a claim, right? I mean, if you look at it academically, he's making a claim. Could that be coincidence? Could that be correlation? You know, a person who's analyzing would think, you know, how would you prove that? But then he said something which just takes away all of that, I, uh, all of those suspicions or speculation. He said, if the entire world is only sustaining itself because of Allah, Allah, then how can a, how can a small madrasa not be sustained by the name of Allah? And I was like, wow, you know, we're missing a big thing. We do these big fundraisers and we're talking here to those people who are listening here. And is, uh, I, I'm assuming there's a huge amount of people listening online. Whatever you're engaged in, right? We rely too much on big fundraising and promotion and all that kind of stuff. We're missing the main point. The sustenance comes from, the nourishment comes from the name of Allah. Even for your own households. Forget, forget an idara. If the whole world can work, why can't your house work with the dhikr of Allah? These are the secrets that are his success. Is why he was who he was, despite being such an introverted person who doesn't like speaking so much. But Allah has another, Allah has several uh, wavelengths through which the work is being done. 
And that's when Allah puts things at your disposal because this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that no servant of mine can come close to me except by fulfilling the faraid. And after the obligations, then by doing the optional acts, by the dhikr of Allah and so on, until I become the eyes with which he sees, the hands with which he grasps, the feet with and so on and so forth. So you're still you, but Allah is guiding you. Allah is getting your work done for you with the minimal effort. And mashallah, there's this concept that he gave a huge amount of effort and khala in the beginning cooking and all the sacrifice to go and live in that sanatorium to buy that sanatorium in the first place which was a TB hospital right totally I mean there were no jinn there I'll tell you that no bad jinn there anyway like I can tell you that from experience because I used to have a job of cleaning uh, the wudu khana and so I had the the right and nobody else did I had except the older people I had a right from three four years earlier before that to walk around at two o'clock at night uh, because I was doing a job and I there was never once that there was anything frightening or scary right and they say this is the dua of Hazrat Sheikh from that time I, I don't know the full story to that but the, these are these are the things this is all what you see that it's all from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right because there's a there's a focus on that that's why they say that the mentor must be one that has the right kind of compassion the right kind of sternness and strictness but it has to be carried through love and that is the secret of Hazrat that we can say for now, for sure, that we've experienced for those times in the madrasa. And that is why the people then have nothing bad to say about him. I'm not joking, it is not an exaggeration. I don't like to exaggerate, I like to say things as they are, right? In all honesty, there was no a single person who criticized him even once. That is amazing. Right? It's just the walk, it's just the balance, it's just the moderation with which he did things. Uh, there was a silent, uh, uh, well, it's, there was no rule, but it was understood you don't ask him questions. Nobody asked him questions in class. And me being the, the person that I am, like, uh, I, at least once a year I would ask him a question. Right? I just couldn't help it, I just asked him the question. But you see, that's the amazing thing. He never discouraged it. It was just like the awe, amazing. It was just the awe, habahu. You know, it was just like the haba. That awe was a mile, you know, it was... Uh, the Prophet ﷺ is nusirtu bir ru'b, right? The, uh, he, the Hazrat definitely had a part of that, right? There's no doubt about it. So I remember once he said, uh, he, was, he was in a bit of a mood and he said, uh, people, uh, what do you call it? There was a big sheikh and he was going to die. And people used to ask him questions. So his son used to, uh, his son wasn't very learned, wasn't really interested. So he told his son, he goes, everybody's going to come to you now. After I die, everybody's going to come to you. What are you going to tell them? How are you going to guide them? So he said to him, uh, then he instructed him, he said, you know what? Just say, fihi ikhtilaf. Because nearly every mas'ala has an ikhtilaf, right? Now, me being who I am, I was like, I said, but maut doesn't have an ikhtilaf. There's no ikhtilaf in death. So I remember he remained silent for a while, probably thinking about like, is he, you know? And he says, yeah, you're right, but uh, yeah, you're right, he said. So he, he was very, you know, uh, that's it. If you got through to him, you would find him to be completely casual with you. Completely casual. And he'll always bring up something that 
kind of eases the conversation. So for me, it was always my grandfather. He, my grandfather, Rahimahullah, was a very old associate from the olden days. So every time, oh, I saw your grandfather in my dream, or it was always one of those. So he, it's, he always brings in something to make it easy for you to discuss because he knows the effect that he's probably having on people. And then he would just make it so easy. You know, speaking in the language, whether it's Gujarati, Urdu, whatever, whatever it was. The, imagine, I mean, so many people want to speak to him, to write to him, and so on, and he remembers all of that. Right? He didn't forget much. He didn't forget much. I mean, we can go on, we can go on forever. But I, I just, I just want to, I just, I just want to mention that uh, maybe it's sitting, sleeping, because the shelves in the room were high up. There were about four or five shelves with all of his old books on there, and uh, I still remember Ikmalu Shiam and Irshadul Muluk, which are the two Bukharis of Tasawwuf, Chishti Tasawwuf, as such. And I still remember. I said I need to read those one day because Mona Zakaria is, mashallah, he is very close. He became. Hazrat's brother, Bhaijan Monan Abdurrahim Saab Rahmatullah, his son-in-law as well. Fanaf is Shaykh. I have not an... I'm totally envious, right, of his state. Uh, he's in Canada. And uh, so, uh, uh, he used to always say th those books and he'd read them. I hadn't read them. My idea was to read them, but I never got to read them at that time. Alhamdulillah, we produced a translation. Uh, of the, the English afterwards. It's all barakah eventually, you know, where you are. It's all barakah. So anyway, to, to basically finish off, what you have to remember is that all of those who are listening, and I'm assuming those people who are listening have some special, either a relationship with Hazrat directly, or they're here, or they're listening because they've got a relationship with one of the students of Hazrat. Or you've graduated from a institution that either Hazrat has established directly or one of his students have established. Now think about it. You've got Imam Zakari Academy that was established by Malna Anas and Mufti Sadruddin Saab. One of, uh, that's where we teach, one of our graduates from there, right, has started another madrasa. Can you see this chain? It's never ending. And imagine the maktabs that the alims and alimas are teaching in. There's at least 2,000 just direct graduates and then th this, th there's no way that nobody can stop this now. Nobody can stop this. So Hazrat is done and dusted, right? In fact, several years ago, there's, we don't la, la nuzakki alallahi ahad. We don't purify anybody. We don't guarantee anybody paradise. But there is a concept of ma ra'ahu nasu hasanan fahuwa indallahi hasan and antum shuhada, uh, uh, you know, fil art, right? There, there are these ideas that we have, but nobody knows for absolute anybody's state. But there have been some people who have said, Hazrat doesn't need to do anything else. He's sorted because of what he has laid out. And there's no doubt he had ikhlas, inshallah. There, there's no doubt about that. But what is in it for us now? How can we help him? So one is obviously isalu thawab and charity and so on. I think even more than that, along with that, in fact, because no, nothing is ever mutually, nothing is ever exclusive that you only do one thing. That's life. You always do everything or more than one thing. All of us, right? And that includes Maulana Yunus' students, Maulana Harun's students, Maulana Zakir's students, Maulana Irfan's students, Maulana Abdullah's students, our students, right? Is what you do is you continue the work of the deen. That's what his sheikh told him to do. He didn't want to stay here, he wanted to go back, but that's what he did. 
This is, this is a massive chain. You are part of a massive chain. All those alimas who are listening online, we, you know, we, we, we generally have women here, but today we thought we just, you know, because it was going to be intimate discussion, discussion. So they're listening online. You carry on the work you're doing in wherever you're doing and do more of it. And that in itself is going to pay Hazrat. That's a, that, it's all going in his bank balance. That's going into Sheikh Zakaria's bank balance. That's probably going to Mawla Khalil Ahmed Saharampuri's bank balance. That is going into Mawla Rashid Ahmed Gangohi. That's going up and up and up to Nidhamuddin Awliya Haji Imdadullah. That's going up beyond that, up to the Prophet Don't forget that you are part of a tradition. You're not independent. You're not alone. The power is behind you of that chain. As long as you maintain it. That's the main thing. You have to just maintain. You have to stay connected. By doing the work, remaining within the spirit, and that's what's most important. That is the best thing you can do for yourself and for them, and then continue, right? You continue, you produce people like this as much as you can do, and inshallah, we will rise with the great people, that chain that goes back to the Prophet and we will rise on, inshallah, we will rise with them on the day of judgment. And we have not much else to show except the bit that we can that we have learnt and that we can inshallah do may allah grant us all ikhlas and even those who are not in the ilmi field here who are here don't feel left out if you've been inspired by anything that anybody here has said then that inspiration comes from hazrat because i don't think we may have not been speaking like this had we not gone to darlum had hazrat not established the madrasa yes once he established one several others came up because that's easy to do. But imagine in a place where there's no integration in the mainstream community, there's no wealth at that time, where things are expensive and people thinking. So that, that pioneer, mashallah, it's man sanna sunnatan hasanatan. So may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept him and may Allah never allow his spirit and his teachings and especially the spirituality, allow, allow that 